Okay, so we have a short Gemara today, but this Gemara is actually quite difficult. Um, so let's get started, and I'm going to try to finish it up. So it says the Gemara, the two dots in the middle of the wide lines, there's a donkey that removed the hand of a child. Also the Kamid Rav Papa, they came in front of Rav Papa Bashmuel. So he responded to them when they told them the case, Zilu Go and pay him four things, meaning to say, we'll see soon. He meant him that he should pay Tsar, Ripui, Shevis, and Boishas. Amalei Rava, Rava responded, Va'an Chamishetan, it says five in a Mishnah, meaning to say, you have to include Nezek. So Amalei, so Rav Papa Bashmur responded to Rava, Le'ban min Nezek You're right, I agree with you, I knew the din of the Mishnah, but I meant without Nezek. So Amalei Abai, so Abai says now to Rav Papa Bashmur, this the thing who attacked the kid was actually a chamor. It wasn't a person. It was a donkey, and therefore, inasmuch as the donkey attacked the person, so he shouldn't have to pay nezek. He should only have to pay nezek. I'm sorry, he doesn't pay the other arbedvarim. Right? We went from one extreme to the other. First, we said four things. Rabbi says five. We say okay, five, and then comes along a bai. He says no, only nezek. So I'm the zilu This case. He says, fine, you're right. Is a chamor. He doesn't pay chamisha dvarim. He only pays nezek. Go and appraise his nezek. Yes, sabaye vahavda by the mishaime. You have to praise him like an evid. So how could you say shumalei nizke, which implies seemingly appraise him like a ben chorin? The din of the mishnah is they have to praise him like an evid. So I'm the He responded to him. You're right, go and appraise him like an Evid. So now the father of this kid pipes in and he says, I don't want you to appraise him. Because it's very embarrassing for this kid to get appraised as an Evid. They said to him, How could you go ahead and say that? You're going to make this kid lose our money. He responded, When he gets older, I'm going to appease him. I'm going to placate him through my own money. Now that's the Shaklavatari of the Gemara, the translation we can do. Now I want to read this again after we saw it once, and we're going to ask a lot of questions here. The questions I sent to you already in the source sheets. But, uh, and here I think it's going to be more helpful if we read the questions through the actual Shaklavatari of the Gemara. So, we have a donkey that removed the hand of this kid. So also the Kamid of Papa Bashmol. Now it comes along the Gemara and says they came to Rav Papa Bashmol. Now what they told Rav Papa Bashmol is not written in the Gemara. So we have no clue what, what, what Rav Papa Bashmol was told. That being said, we're going to have to try to determine what, through what means was he adjudicating this case? What information did he have that he decided he should pass in? So now, the Gemara says, Go appraise four things. Now, what did they respond? Rav says, It's not in the Mishnah 5. It's not like this. If Papa Bar Shmuel knew, he knew that there was a Nezek here or not. Meaning to say, when they told him that there's a kid was attacked by a donkey, if he knew that there was Nezek, so why did he say Four. If he didn't know that there was permanent damage and therefore he didn't know that there was Nezek, why did he say anything? Why didn't he just ask? He knew that was something which was very, very, you know, plays a massive role. Let's know the facts here. That question is going to be exacerbated from Abaye. It's very clear that he didn't even know what donkey attacked him. So what's the Papa doing here? So then he doesn't have to mention it. Now, aside from this, if he really knew the whole time of Papa Barshmuel, that there was Nezek being discussed here. So then why did Papa Barshmuel say four? That implies that there's something unique about Nezek, which even though we know it to be true, nonetheless it doesn't have to be mentioned. Why is Nezek something which is assumed? We know that Nezek doesn't apply under all cases. So that's also another difficulty here. Now, like this. The Gemara continues, and he says that you should appraise the kid. After we said that there was a donkey who attacked him, appraise the kid. Comes along, 
comes along a baye and says, I have to be appraise him like an Evid. So number one, how do we know when he said you should appraise him? He meant you didn't shouldn't appraise him like an Evid. Maybe he meant appraise him like an Evid. He said, Shumalay Nizke, how do you do it? Like an Evid. Somehow Abai knew he meant not like an Evid. Fine. But now a more basic question of Papa Bashmul didn't know the Mishnah. What's that even mean? How could that be? He meant Shumalay Nizke but not like the Mishnah. We had the previous Gemara when Rebbe Yezer said Mamish. So we had a Havamina, according to Rabbah, that you could appraise him, not like an Evid. But there, that was an opinion of Rebbe Yezer, who could go ahead and, since he's a Tana, he has the right to disagree with the Din of a Mishnah. But here we're talking about of Papa Bashmol. But he's not a Tana. He can't disagree with a Mishnah. If he can't disagree with a Mishnah, so how could it be then, that he's saying, Ahavamina, that you, that you don't appraise him like an Evid? That seems preposterous. That's the Emes. Now, the Gemara continues, and once we establish that we have to appraise this kid's Nezik like an Evid, so then the father pipes in. And the father says, Hey, I don't want you to do this. It's embarrassing for him. The next question is, So who cares? Who are you, Mr. Father? You're an involved party here? This is not your money we're discussing. This is the kid's money. So the same way that a father has no right to pipe into his 45-year-old kid's financial issues, he has no right to pop into his 6-year-old child's financial issues. He has no ability to go ahead and forego on this loan. So how could we go, How could we see here this based in took into account the father's wishes? Number one. Number two is if the father actually does have rights, and he can make some kind of financial decision on behalf of the kid, then why in the world does he have to go ahead and appease him later on? Even if the kid's upset, he'll say to him, listen, I did my best for you. I was in charge of your money. It was my decision. I'm sorry you disagree with me, but that's what I did. Deal with it. That's life. Why would he have to go ahead and have some form of monetary payment to appease him in the future? Now, before we even get into the rights of the father, we really should have asked more a fundamental question. Let's say the father doesn't want to appraise him because it's embarrassing. So don't make an appraisal. The appraisal is only to tell us an accurate value. But if he doesn't want to do it, so take the least expensive slave on the market, take that value, and pay the depreciation for whatever Nezik happened to the kid. How can we need to appraise the kid based off who he is? Don't appraise the kid. Just make the evaluation based off of the least valuable evidence possible. At least he'll get something. That's number one. Number two is if we can't do that. No, we have to evaluate the kid. So wait to evaluate him. What do I mean? The kid right now, let's say, is eight years old. So wait five years. Evaluate the kid five years from now. What's he going to be? How come he can't do that? Ah, he was attacked when he was eight. So good. Appraise him when he was 13. And based off your expert understanding of the slave market, take what the assumed value was of such an Evid five years earlier, and that'll be your estimate. Why can't we do that? Why do we have to do it right now in the present? Do it in the future when the kid acts on his own volition. Now, besides this question, there's a basic, basic question here which is very bothersome. This Gemara is not brought in the Rif, the Rosh, or the Rambam. And the question is, why not? It seems like a very straightforward halacha. It's an explicit Gemara. No one disagrees with this Gemara. So if we have a straightforward Gemara that no one disagrees with, why is it that the Rif, Rosh, and Rambam omit mentioning it from our Gemara, from their halachas? Fine. So now, let's see, let's see the Rashis, and we're going to see Tosis inside together. Okay? So Rashi says his father, Here we're talking about the Chamor, when the Chamor attacks a person, all you do is pay Nezik. It's a Gemara, Drashen Perkshani, Ish Bamita Vileshu Bamita. That only an Ish pays for the Dalet Chamisha Dvorim, but a Shor doesn't pay Chamisha Dvorim. Says the Gemara, when the father proposes not to evaluate him as an Evid, the Gemara asks, You're causing him a financial loss. 
you're going ahead and causing him a loss and being bad for him. Because you're foregoing on the money he could get for his damages. Because the money belongs to him. And they don't belong to you. Like it was done in the come on later on. If a cotton gets damaged, you make a skula, you make an investment for him. And that investment should gain value in the interim between when he's young and when he becomes older. He can act financially on his own fruition. So that was the din of what the father should do. So how could he forgo on the money? That's Rashi. Now, Tesfus is a very interesting Tesfus. And this Tesfus is really going to go ahead and start the first stage of the Gemara. The first stage of the Gemara being, what happened with Rav Papa? What was Rav Papa privy to know? What information was given to him when the Shaila was asked? And what, on what basis did he respond? So, Tesfus says as follows. When the Gemara proposes, Rav Papa Bashmol says, Zilu Shumale Dalad Vodan. Ah, your kid was attacked? Go and appraise for him four things. So Tisha says, Hayasavu da'odam hezikai. Rav Papa Bashmol was assuming that a person attacked the kid and not an animal. Va'oisai katan kol kach gadol hayo. And this kid was so big, de mecham lelei umichla. That if you embarrass the kid, he would get embarrassed. Meaning to say, Tisha is bothered by a question. How could it be the dinishum ale da'od vodim? Go and go and appraise four things. Incorporated within the four things are boshes. Boshes is something which is subjective. Meaning to say, if you damage a kid, but the kid's so young that he doesn't know to be embarrassed from the damage, from the injury, so then you don't have to pay any boshes whatsoever. So how could a Papa Bar Shmuel say that assuming a Shumalai Dal and Devolin go and pay the boshes? So Tissa says that Papa Bar Shmuel was assuming that now what? That the kid was old enough that he could actually get embarrassed. Which is wild. That means according to Tisvis, already before a Papa Bashmuel opened his mouth to ask, please clarify the case, he's already going ahead and saying, number one, I assume that the, a person attacked this kid. And number two, that the kid who was attacked is so old that he could be embarrassed. Why do you assume that? We have no clue. How much no clue? How could he assume that and pask in halacha, pask in a court case without clarifying that? I have no idea. But this is a question which has to be asked. Now, in order to get a better understanding of what the question was that was proposed to Rapapa Bashmuel, I brought you here three Marmakimis, a Teres Chaim, a Marshal, a Marshal Mador Basra. Says the Teres Chaim, on this same Tesfis, Zilu Shumalei Abed Vorm, going to praise four things, says the Teres Chaim, Hayasabu Da'odam Ezekai. He assumed that a person injured him, since Abai says later on, it was a donkey. It was a donkey. And a chamor doesn't pay chamishat volim. Why did he say he just could have said chamishat volim. The fact that it was introduced, the question was introduced with these three words, Vahachamorhu, implies that Repubba Bashmul didn't know that. So now, that's a wonderful diak. The Gemara says, Vahachamorhu, 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 He just should have said, Vahachamorhu, is introducing knowledge that Repubba Bashmul didn't know. That means that according to the Teres Chaim's diak, there's a third fact that Repubba Bashmul didn't know before he started paskining this case. Wild. So that means that when the Gemara came in, there's a kid. The kid got attacked by a donkey. Now what happens? I assume the kid doesn't come in. If the kid came in, Papa Bashmul would see that there's permanent damage done. He's missing a hand. So the father came in. And we know that's very logical because the father later on says that to appraise him. So the father comes in to Papa Bashmul and he says, he doesn't say a person attacked my kid because it's not true. But he also didn't say a donkey attacked his kid because Rapapa Bashmul didn't know that. Like we just proved from the Teres Chaim. So what's the, what do they say? I assume that he said, this person is liable to pay for my kid's damages. He's liable to pay for my kid's damages. Now, what were the damages? Who was this kid? Who did the damages? 
that we don't know. It's a secret. And when Papa Bashmo didn't ask, what's he say? He jumps the gun. He says, fine. Because he's a kid who's old enough to get embarrassed. Now, says the Maharsha, I want to add on to Tosa's words, the same way he didn't know it was a donkey, he didn't know it was permanent damage. Rather, he thought there was no permanent damage here, and that's why he didn't pay any kind of money, any kind of money for Nezek. And therefore, since he didn't know there was permanent damage, he said pay for Dvorim except for Nezek. Meaning to say, the read the Gemara of the Marshal is, because I didn't know there was permanent damage. Rather said there's five Dvorim in the Mishnah. That was his way of expressing, I, but you know there was permanent damage here. There was permanent damage. It says, if there's Nezek is applicable, he has to pay it. You're right. I wasn't including Nezek because I did not because I didn't know the Mishnah. Because according to the Marshal, I didn't know the facts. And I, the facts were that there was permanent damage. So you're right. He has to pay Nezek as well. That's the Marshal's read of the Gemara. Now the Madura Basra, the Marshal Madura Basra was written by the son-in-law of the Marshal. Um, for your son-in-law to write a safer to attack your pieces. I'm serious. That means he valued so much what you had to say. It was worthwhile to write a safer just to discuss what uh, his father-in-law wrote. Now, he comes off swinging and the Madura Basra says as follows, It's not true. The Marshal said, because if it's like what he said, when Rava said, it says five in the Mishnah, says, then the response of Papa Bashmul should have been, go and appraise five. Or Papa Bashmul in Agamara says, I didn't, I didn't, uh, yeah, you're right. I meant that without, not including Nezek. Meaning to say, I didn't know Nezek was applicable. According to the Mahandura Basra, he should have responded, Zilu Shumalei Chamisha, go and appraise five. Now, why is that? Right? So what happens next step? Next step is Abai asks him, it was a donkey who attacked. So how did he respond? Go ahead and appraise his nezek. He doesn't go and explain what he thought in the previous case. So it is much he didn't explain what he thought in the previous case when it came to Abaye. According to Marsha, how come he was explaining what he thought when he made his mistake in Psach Things should be consistent. Either Rav Papa Bashmuel feels like he has to explain his previous assumption when he adjudicated the halacha, or he doesn't have to explain it. So according to the Marsha's read, he would have to say that first we're discussing why I adjudicated the, in the, uh, incorrectly. And in the second time, when Abayi asked him, it was a chamor, he doesn't feel the need to do so. That inconsistency bothers the Madar Basra. And therefore he says as follows, He said, rather, what I meant to say, right, when he said, except for Nezek, Nezek is applicable to all different Nezekin, even when it comes to a Behima, a Behima pays Nezek, and therefore I told you, I didn't tell you to go and appraise five. In other words, the Madur Abbas is saying that the Tashlum of Nezek is something which is assumed. And it isn't as much as it's assumed, so therefore the Papa Bashmol didn't feel the Nez, the need, the necessity to go ahead and say it. Now, two things bother me about this Madur Basra very, very much. Number one, is that it's not true what he's saying. We saw already the Yushalmi, we saw a rift that brought the Yushalmi, but the Yushalmi says explicitly that there are times where you pay Arba Dvorim. When there's no permanent damage, you pay Arba Dvorim. So how could it be that there's an assumed Nezek? Because Nizke Behima, you pay always, there's always a Tashlam of Nezek. So when it comes to Nizke Odom, that's also true. The answer is incorrect. When it comes to Nizke Behima, the only time you pay is if there's damages, there's a monetary loss. You pay for the monetary loss. But if there's no monetary loss, you don't pay. When it comes to Nizke Odom, that's not true. You don't pay for monetary losses. It's not a form of compensation. 
Like you've been saying the whole time. If it's not a form of compensation, you're not just paying for monetary loss. Like the Marsh, like the, like the Yushomi itself says, there are times where you pay Arba Devolim and not Nezek. So how in the world could we say that Nezek is assumed in the payment? Question number one. Question number two is that very good, it's assumed. It's assumed. Let's say we, we didn't bother by that previous question. And Nezek's assumed. Now, if Papa Bashmul could say one of two things, he could say, Shumalei Alba Dvorim, or he could say, Shumalei Chamisha Dvorim. Is there any reason to say Alba? You're right, it works. It works, it's assumed. But he gains something from saying Alba? He says one less syllable, maybe. That's the Pshat. He was worried about saying an extra What's Why wouldn't he just talk straight? Why is he assuming information? Well, am I? My assumption is like the Marshal. I'm going to take the Marshal here. The Marshal Medor Basra very much bothers me. I don't understand it. And therefore, we're going to start off the Gemara as follows. There was a kid. The kid was an older kid. Probably nine years old. That if you embarrass him, he could be embarrassed. That he got attacked by a donkey and he lost his hand. So also the coming to the Papa Bashmul, the kid's father came in front of the Papa Bashmul and said, this person is liable for my kid's damages. Now if Papa Bashmul assumed the kid was a certain age, he was nine years old, he assumed that, he didn't no clue. He also had no clue who was the attacker. And he also had no clue whether or not there was permanent damage or not. Why did he not clarify those facts? I don't know. I'm not going to have an answer to that question this entire year. I apologize. I worked on this for many, many hours. I do not have an answer to that question. I talked to multiple people about this. I don't have an answer to this question. Difficult. Why didn't he just ask? Don't know. But he didn't. And therefore, there's three facts being assumed right now. So what's his response? No one pay for things. Why? He assumed it was a person. He assumed it was a kid that was equal to be embarrassed. And he assumed there was no permanent damage. Why make those assumptions? I don't know. Amalur Ravo. Ravo responded, You should know that we taught five in the Mishnah. There was permanent damage here. How came we not making him liable for that permanent damage? So kakamina. No, you're right. I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was permanent damage. And therefore, that's why when I said four, I said four. But, if there was actually permanent damage, go and pay five. That's our read of the Gemara based off Tesis, Rashi, and the Marashah, and the Teres Chaim. Now, what's the response? The response is as follows. So now, what's he saying? He says, I, I, the Bar Miniska. Now, comes along a Bayi, and a Bayi adds new information. I'm a Bayi, v'achamorhu. Repopa Bashmul. I know you're a Talmud Chacham. I know you're a Moira. You're in a Beistin. I'm coming to you with this case. But, you should know a fact. You're missing. The attacker here was not a person. It was actually a Chamor. It was a donkey. The Chamor, I know, Mishalami, Lenezek. And Chamor only pays Nezek. He doesn't pay. He doesn't pay Chamisha Dvarim. So comes along Repopa Bashmul and says, Amalu Zilu Shumule Nezke. Go and appraise his Nezek. Now, before we get into how could Repopa Bashmul have a Havamina that we're praising him, not like an Eved, I first want to understand what's the case here, what type of Nezek are we talking about? So I brought to you here Pnei Yeshua and Anachlas Yisrael, the Pnei Yeshua comes along and says, what's Nezekai? Nizke means Chetzinezek. Chetzinezek. Why? Because here we're talking about a short time. A short time who attacks a kid. It's a tolda de Karen. He not a bit his hand off, right? A tolda de Karen. A bit his hand off. So therefore, a tolda of Karen pays Chetzinezek. So Shumene Nizke means assess the value of this kid, and then the owner of the donkey has to pay half of it. That's a play Shua's read. Why does he have this read of paying um, Knossos? It's coming from the Gemara. In the next Gemara, we're going to see him yet. Hashem is talking about Knossos and Bovel. Fine. The Nachlis Yisrael has the same understanding that we're talking about Knossos, but he makes the opposite diuk. He says as follows. The next case the Gemara brings is how Torah the Olis Yodidiyanuka. There was a shore, an ox, that took off the hand of a kid. 
There, the Gemara asks, how can you t- take money? We're not going to Knossos Bebavel. We don't collect fines in Bavel. To that, to that, ask the Nachlas Yisrael, why did the Gemara wait till the second case of how to the Olas why didn't he ask that case, that question already? How could you take money? We're not good with Knossos and Bavel. It should have asked it in our Gemara. Why did the Gemara ask only in the second case? It should have asked this question already in the first case. It's more fundamental. There's no such thing as collecting Knossos. Because of this question, so the Nachlas Yisrael wants to make an Ukimto. He says that how did this donkey take this kid's hand off? He stepped on it. He was dirtous on it. In its normative walking. And since he walked on it, and through the walking, that's what removed the kid's hand. That's called regel. And regel, Yochayev Nezek Shalim. That's not a kanas, it's a Nezek Shalim. Therefore, Shumalei Nezke meant not a Chetzi Nezek of the Pnei Yeshua, but rather it meant the Nezek Shalim because the way he removed it wasn't through biting it. It told it to Karen. Rather, it was the Avnezek of regel. Have Nezek of Regal, you're paying Nezek Shalim. So that's already Machlikas Achrinim. To be honest, the Nachlas Yisrael sits better with me. Just because this question is a very strong question. What happened? Why didn't you go to the Knossos and Bavel? Why didn't they ask that on the first Gemara? I don't have a reason why the Pnei Yeshua how to get out of that question. So if you're going to ask me my humble opinion, I connect much more to Nachlas Yisrael, but I don't have a Raya. Nachlas Yisrael says his own Raya. He knew the Pnei Yeshua. He's coming to say differently. Now, this is a very serious issue here. The very serious issue is as follows. Rav Papa Bar Shmuel knew the Mishnah. How do I know the Mishnah? Rav Haigalin writes in the end of Masechus Brachos, it's printed in his introduction to Talmud Bavli, that when it comes to an Amoira, there's no such thing as an Amoira not knowing a Mishnah. It doesn't exist. An Amoira, in order to be an Amoira, knew every single Mishnah in Shas. An Amoira didn't have to know a Braitha. So Rav Haigalin was writing an introduction to Talmud Bavli for people who were learning Talmud without any Mishnahim. They didn't know what they were able to explain on their own, the rules and principles they were able to use to explain the Gemara on their own. This is a precedent that he established. And Amorah, you can't say, forgot a Mishnah? It can't be? So I have a question. What do you mean, Shumalei Nizkei? That here we're discussing appraising him like a Ben-Khurin. It can't be. We never praise like a Ben Chlorin, we praise like an Evid, it's a Mishnah, Pegimel and Bez. How do we get out of that question? The question's a bum. So, in order to get out of this question, I have two answers to this. The first answer I brought to you is based off a of Bach. So, now the Bach is very bothered. We saw Rashi, remember Rashi on the Mishnah? Rashi on the Mishnah says, when you're Shamalika Avda, when you praise him like an Evid, you praise him like an Evid Ivri. The Bach comes along to Agamara, and quotes Abaye. What does Abaye say? Abaye says, You have to praise him like an Evid. And says the Bach, You praise him like an Evid. Evid means Evid Kanaini. That means we have an explicit Gemara where Abaye is telling us that you praise like an Evid Kanani. If that's true, how could Rashi say Evid Ivri? Claims the Bach, it must be that a person has a choice. If he wants to get the most amount of money he can for his damages, so get appraised like an Evakanani. But if he's embarrassed to get appraised by an Evid, like an Evakanani, it's demeaning to him. Therefore, he can opt to be appraised like an Evid Ivri. And therefore, that's the case of our Mishnah. Our Mishnah, Rashi Begimlamadvez, is talking about a circumstance where he's electing to get paid like an Evid Ivri. Because he's embarrassed to be praised by Nebuchadnezzar. But granted, if he was actually more interested in the money than his own pride, he could have opted to be appraised as Nebuchadnezzar. And that would be a viable expression of this din. Now, this is wild. This is wild for four, maybe five reasons why such a Bach is wild. Number one, because we have a word here. You have to praise him like an Evid. Maybe I'm missing something. I assume I'm missing something because it's maybe just a, a complete lack of Bikias. I have no idea. It says you have to praise him like an Evid. 
as far as I know, there's two different types of Ebed in the Chumash. There's an Ebed Ivri, there's an Ebed Kanaini. The Gemara is not clear. So, why is this a proof that the Ebed of our Mishnah means Ebed Kanani? The Gemara actually does not even say Ebed Kanani, it just says Ebed. That's question number one. I don't, I still don't know what he's talking about. The Gemara says Ebed. So I'm willing to hear maybe, maybe there's some kind of assumption. I don't know. There's an assumption that it's Tam Evid. Whenever you say Evid, you mean Evid Kanani, and that's otherwise told. Maybe. The assumption that's a Kash on Rashi? Okay. In Kabbalah here, in Kabul, I didn't know such a thing. Number one. Number two. This makes it worse, though, because number two is, according to Rashi, what's the Evid of our Mishnah? According to Rashi, the Evid of our Mishnah is an Evid Ivri. Not an Kanani. So that means that even if you're going to tell me the Kolatara Kula, this din of Stam Evid, when the Gemara says Evid, it means an Evid Kanani. But here we're talking Nazikin, we're talking Chavola. And since we're talking Chavola, Evid of the Mishnah was already talking about Evid Ivri. So if Abai comes along and says Evid, he's talking about the Evid of the Mishnah. Evid of the Mishnah is Evid Ivri. So even if Stam Evid, Bekolatara Kula means Evid Kanani, that's not true here. How do I know from the Mishnah? Rashi and the Mishnah told me Evid here means Evid Ivri. And Mamish don't have the question. I'm missing something here. Right? Number one, why does Evid mean Evid Kanaini? He said Evid. There's two different types of Evid. Number two, even if it's true, for whatever reason, Evid normally means Evid Kanaini. Rashi and the Mishnah told me Evid Ivri means Evid means Evid Ivri. So Evid, in regards to the din of the Mishnah, is going to be Evid Ivri. What's the Bach asking? It says Evid because Rashi told me what Evid is. That's question number two. Question number three is Rashi never told me this. Rashi never told me this. There's an allusion in Rashi. If I'd read read Rashi a thousand times, if I would do such a thing, I would ever know the din of the Bach? Never. The only way I can know the din of the Bach is if I read the Gemara, I'm bothered by his diuk, which we brought two reasons why we're not bothered by his diuk, but I brought the diuk, and now I say a piece in order to try to explain Rashi and the Mishnah and the diuk. I would never know. I have no clue. So how could that be Pshan Rashi? That's question number three. Question number four is that my assumption is that the ability to go ahead and be appraised like an Evid Ivri is a schus. The same way that the father can say, I don't want to be appraised at all, because he's embarrassed to be appraised like an Ebed Kanani, he could opt to be appraised like an Ebed Ivri. Why is this halacha not brought anywhere? Not in Rashi, not in the Rosh, not in the Rif, not in the Rambam, nowhere. There's different ways to opt out. The Bach is the first one to express it. Everyone else was so pashot. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. So that's the dinner of the Bach. Now, that being said, the Bach, we could use the Bach for an unbelievable explanation for our Gemara. He doesn't do this. He's not coming to address this point. But if his din is true, I would like to propose a reading in the Gemara. The Gemara says, I, Bimeshalem Nezek, a Gemara attacked him, pay Nezek. Comes on the Gemara, I'm a Luzi the Papa Bashmul says, go and pay his Nezek. His Nezek. His Nezek, meaning to say, go and praise him like an Evidivri. He's a kid, he's a young kid. We don't want to embarrass him. At the same time, we don't want to make him lose out. Go and praise him like an Evidri. Shumalainizke. Like how he is. Like his Nezek. Him. Him, the kid, the Jew. Appraise him. Nizke. On that, you're making him lose out. How can you choose to make him lose out? You have no jurisdiction of his money. So this two ways, this dichotomy within the ability to assess the kid, the value of the kid, is actually a means to explain the Papa Bashmol. The Papa Bashmol wasn't saying, I forgot the din of the Mishnah. Papa Bashmol actually was saying, let's utilize the din of the Mishnah, which Rashi alludes to, that you can opt for a different type of shuma, as a means to avoid embarrassment, to which Abai responded, yeah, but you don't have the right to do that for him. Inasmuch as his financial 
I guess prudence is not in your jurisdiction, so therefore you don't have the right to choose how he's assessed. Now, that would be a way to read the Gemara. That being said, the Bach is still very upsetting. It's very hard for me to think the Bach is Pshat Nesugya. In Halacha, I don't know. I'm not in, the, I'm not in Halacha right now. When I'm learning Rashi, I would never dream to say such a thing. And therefore, when we're learning the sugya, I'd want to say, provide maybe a different approach to how to explain what Papa Bashmul is saying, Shumalei Niskei, and at the same time, he knew the din of the Mishnah on Pegimel. So now as follows. Introductions. Introduction number one, let's review. When we're dealing with the din of the Rambam, the Shittas Rambam and the Mishnah of Tashlumei Nezek, we came along and we wanted to say that there's a difference between the Chamisha Dvorim and Tashlumei Nezek. Whereas Chamisha Dvorim were a means of punishing a person for his wrongdoing, his attacking of another human being and causing him loss. When it came to the attacking of a behemoth, so a behemoth attacks a behemoth, it wasn't a punishment, you can't punish an animal. Rather, what is it? It's purely, it's purely monetary compensation. There's a loss here, so pay the loss. That's introduction number one. Introduction number two is that what's included within Tashlumei Nezek when it comes to Nizke Odom and Nizke Behema are actually quite distinct. If we remember, when it comes to Nizke Behema, what's included is not just the damage, the monetary loss that was caused to the animal, but also any other monetary loss. For example, the animal was unable to work and therefore you had to rent another animal. The Shavas. Or you had to take him to the veterinarian, the Ripui. All that was included within Tashlumei Nezek. They're not separate payments, included within Tashlumei Nezek. Because all the Tashlumei Nezek means when it comes to Niske Behema means compensate, pay back money. Pay back money, oh, whatever was lost, that's what's included within Nezek. Whereas when it comes to Niske Adam, Niske Adam is five different payments. The Torah came along and dictated. There's five different things you have to pay for when it comes to Nizkei Adam. And inasmuch that's true, we saw already in Shireb Shmuel that even that, say, for example, a person attacks another human being, Beshoigig. So there's opinions that if you attack Beshoigig, you don't have to pay Chamisha Dvorim, all you have to do is pay Nezek. There, under those circumstances, so, under those circumstances, you would still pay the Nezek of the Mishnah. You wouldn't pay the Nezek, which includes Shavas and Ripui, because inasmuch when it comes to the category of Nizke Adam, Shavas and Ripui are separate from the Tashlumei Nezek. And Shavas and Ripui are something which are only paid when it was an intentional attack. Therefore, the Nezek you're paying is only for the Avchasimi Pekaspe, the detriment of his value on the market. But that's it. That's another introduction here. Now, my last introduction here is I want to put out a suffix that I have. A suffix. I know the din, it's clear in the Chumash, when a person attacks a person, there, Chamisha Dvorim. It's a pasuk, there's a kasev, Rashi brought it, Ishba Mito. Now, what happens when a shore attacks a shore? An animal attacks an animal, even a person attacks an animal. What's the din? The din is there's no chemish devorim. It's only a monetary loss. Now, those are the two extremes. What happens when an animal attacks a person? What's the din? So here, I could have a suffix. On one hand, I could hear if the whole definition of the Chamisha Devarim Onshim, the punishments for the wrongdoing of attacking another Jew. Therefore, when an animal is the one who attacked, it's not relevant to punish the animal. Therefore, it's not even relevant to punish the owner. The owner, assumingly, watched him as cared for him as much as he needed to. He wasn't he wasn't uh, negligent in his watching over the animal. 
And therefore, why is it right to give him punishment? So even though it was a person who was attacked, I could hear that maybe the payment is regular Nezik, pay for the money. Pay him the money. That's one approach. The other approach would be no. What's the whole reason why Nizke Odom is different than Nizke Behima? So the way we said it was because Nizke Behima is a loss of money. But Nizke Odom, we have a svar that a Ben Chorin, that's they dumb him, a free person, a human being, has no value. You can't monetarily compensate someone for damaging a human being. The human being is priceless. So the basis maybe of Ben Churin Nes Deidamim would apply to any time the human being is the victim. And therefore, obviously, if a behemoth attacks a person, so then he wouldn't be liable to pay for the Shavis and Ripui included within the Nezik. All you'd have to do is pay for the Tashlumi Nezik alone. These two studim, these two sides which I just expressed, I want to claim are the Machlikis between a Papa Bashmul and a Baye. Let's read it in the side. What happened here? It was a Chamor who attacked him, it was a donkey who attacked the kid. And therefore, a Chamor only pays Nezik. Now the question is, what's the Nezik? Is it a Nezik of Nizke Behima, a Hefsid Mamon, a loss of monetary loss? Or is it a Nezik of Nizke Odom, a Ben Churin Nesle Dummy? So comes along the Papa Bashmul and says, Amr Luhu Zilu Shume Go pay his Nezik. What's his Nezik? His Nezik means go and pay everything, appraise everything which is included within the Nezik. The loss of the hand, the Shavis, the Ripui, everything. Go pay everything. Evaluate that and Shume Nizge. Tell him how much you owe. Give him a bill. That was a Papa Bashmul. He assumed that when the since the Chamor is the one attacking the kid, it was a chamor. Therefore, it's not shaykh the unshim of the chamisha dvolim. And it's not the shaykh the unshim of the chamisha dvolim. Therefore, he pays like every nizke mamun. Comes along Nabaye, and Nabaye says, Vahaka of the What do you mean? How could you say that? You have to praise him like an evid. Meaning to say that inasmuch as the victim here was. A person and a person is priceless, therefore, it enters a whole new system of assessment. The whole premise of the Mishnah wasn't telling me there's punishments here because you did the wrong thing. No, the Kiddush of the Mishnah was there's a whole different system for, for Nizke Odom since Nizke Odom is, a, is an attack on the Taurus Odom, not on the Taurus Mammon, because you took away part of a person who was priceless. So there's a whole new system of how to appraise those damages. So in as much as that's true, that applies even when the donkey is attacking the person. So therefore he says, by the Mishayme, you have to praise him like they did in the Mishnah, this is this Ge'odam. Now, that's very, very Gishmak. It's a way to read the Gemara. Pasha, to read the Gemara, the Republic of Shmuel knew what he was talking about. He was in London still. Then only that, Abaye, if we remember in Rebbe Rova proposed that when Rabbi Yezah says, mamish, and Rabbi said, that means that Shumalik ben Churin and Abaye, the same Abaye came along and said, Aye, but Ben Churin Leslie Domi. So Abaye is the one that's screaming this svara the whole time. And the same way he screamed it, that, that Rabbi didn't know that was the principle of the Mishnah, and there Abaye came and it taught him that's the principle of the Mishnah. Ben Churin Leslie Domi, and therefore Ayn Tachas Ayn can't be Mamish. So then, so then, it's the same Abai that's teaching a Papa Bashmul. Papa Bashmul, you didn't know the, the principle, the underlying principle of the Mishnah. The underlying principle of the Mishnah is the Benchurin, the Saitama, human being's priceless. Therefore, he needs a whole different system of assessing. That's a very Gishmak. So now that we explained the Havamin of a Papa Bashmul and Abai's challenge, all that's left to explain now is how the father has a right to intervene in the kid's money. Now first, I'm going to bring you three different approaches here, the, from the Gemara through the Rishonim. Um, the first one I want to prove to you is from a Gemara in Masechus Kedushin. The Gemara says as follows, How do we know that orphans who come to divide up the property of their father, that based in appoints a guardian, a monetary guardian, to help them whether it be for the detriment or the benefit. 
Asked the Gemara, Why would they point him for his detriment? Says the Gemara, That must mean that it's a detriment that's done in order to be a merit for him. So he can do something which is temporarily detrimental as a means to get a benefit, or something which is only beneficial. How do we know that's such a concept? That there's one leader for each Shevet when they got the inheritance in Eretz Yisrael. Orphans who came to divide up the property of their father, based in can appoint for them an apitrepus, a guardian, a financial guardian, then go ahead and provide a choose for the kid a nice portion. When the kids get older, they can go ahead and make a machol. So now, what do we see here? We see that there's something called a uh, an apitrepus, a guardian, that is right to do something on behalf of the kid, and the kid has a right to fight it when he gets older. It's not like this. The father comes along and says, I don't want, because it's embarrassing. So I'm willing to make an assumption here. Let's assume that a kid, when he's a kid, he has no right to, you know, make monetary deals. So his father is an assumed apitropus. The same way that if a person, doesn't have a father and he's a kid, Basin appoints him an apitropus. Maybe the default position of the father is that is that his father is an apitropus for the kid. So the father comes in and says, I don't want you to go ahead and appraise him because it's embarrassing. Now, how could he do that? It's a chuyv. So I, my assumption is, the same way the Gemara says, a chuyv amanas dischis, a detriment, which is something which is beneficial, he's allowed to do. So that would be considered something which is beneficial, even though it's a monetary detriment. And that's what the double lesson. You couldn't have just said, right? the father of the, the kid said, why don't you just say, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to. He gives an explanation. Why? Because it's embarrassing. That's He's doing something which is detrimental because it serves a benefit. So they respond, at the end of the day, he's going to have a financial loss. And if there's a financial loss, they get older, they can make a machor. Aye, they can make a machor. So then you're not allowed to make that financial loss because there's irreparable damage. And says the father, No, there's not financial damage forever. Why? Because when they get older, I can go ahead and appease them for my own money. I can appease them for my own money. So then there's not a financial loss. So here, that would be a way, great way to read the Gemara. According to the Gemara in Kedushin, the fathers assumed the din of an apitropus, of a guardian, over his money. And therefore, those halachos of lachu v'amanas dischais and the din of machah later on both have to be mitigated. And that's what he does through the claim of embarrassment and through the ability to appease him later on. If that's the read of the Gemara, that also answers another question we asked. We asked, how come the Rambam Riff and Rush don't bring this din of the Gomorrah? It's not brought in any of the Svarim. So if the din is the normal din of Apitropus, so Apitropus, the Rambam has chapters of Apitropus, of din of Apitropus. So just because there's a Gomorrah which brings a different permutation, a different manifestation of the din of Apitropus, that doesn't mean that the Rambam doesn't hold it true. The Rambam just doesn't have to write every case that the Gemara brings of Apitropus. And since the Gemara already wrote down those dinim, I'm saying the Rambam, sorry, wrote down those dinim already, it's not something he has to reiterate. So this being the explanation of the Gemara is actually a great way to be miyashiv, to answer up for those Rishenim who don't bring the Gemara. That's our first Mahalach. Now, when it comes to the Urzarua, the Urzarua was in the 13th century, he lived in Vienna, one of the Vishenim. So there's a slight difference in his text. When the father says, the father says, since you want to praise him like an Evid, it's embarrassing for me, the father, and I don't want to. Whereas when Argamara says, it's embarrassing for him, for the kid. According to the Urzarua, Zila Bimilsa. It's embarrassing for me, the father. So I'm Luhu, I'm Ule. I'm saying they responded, the basin responded to the father. He called him a Faisal Lay Midi Day. 
it's fine, we'll let you go ahead and forego on the money, but you have to appease him later on when he gets older. Now this is wild. Why in the world? We all are in agreement that the father has no role here. It's not his money, it's the kid's money. And the biggest proof to that is based in saying you have to appease him when he gets older. So why in the world can the father, because he's going to be embarrassed, his kid's getting evaluated like an avid, so why does that give him the right to say, no, I don't want this to happen. And if I'm going to get embarrassed because my next door neighbor is going to have something, I can stop him from getting that? Absolutely not. So why is the father different? So the best I know how to do here is that inasmuch as the father bears to some degree the burden of financial responsibility for his kid, inasmuch as that's true, Chazal allowed for certain leniencies. Those leniencies being that inasmuch as some things are going to be embarrassing for the father while dealing with the kid's money, he has the right to avoid and stay away from that embarrassment as long as no financial loss comes to the kid. A takana de Rabbanan. There's actually no sfara why he should be able to do it. It's a takana de Rabbanan. And that's why the Wazarua had to bring this in his halachic work. Inasmuch as not the normal din of Abitropus, it's a new halacha, it's a takana de Rabbanan. That's why he had to bring it. That'd be our second approach. Our last approach here is the Besa Bechira. The Besa Bechira starts off saying that if the father doesn't want to do it, he doesn't want to go ahead and take money to make an investment for his kid, you could say, you know what, I don't want it. You can't be meichel. You can't forego on the money which is coming to his kid. But if he says, you know what, I'll appease him when he gets older, and he's a rich guy, then then we allow him to do it. So now this is very difficult. You can't, you can't be Mephias. I'm saying you can't be Michael, meaning to say he can't make financial decisions for the kid. You can't absolve the attacker from paying owing the kid money. You can't do that. So he doesn't have jurisdiction over the kid's money. At the same time, if the father is rich, we allow him, we allow him to what? We allow him to disallow the assessment of the kid. What's that compromise? What's that middle ground? So, this I spent a long time thinking about. I'll tell you, the best they have is up until now we're assuming that there's no concept of compensation when it comes to payment. There's no there's no mammon. Either, according to Rashi, you're turning the monetary aspect of the kid's hand through Tashlum Nezek, or according to the Rambam, you're paying a knas. You're paying a knas. But never are you compensating because a hand is priceless. If the Meiri disagreed with that, the Meiri said, no, you know what? There's actually a price on a hand. That price on a hand is assess. Fine, X. That's the price. So that means the moment that the attacker removed his hand, automatically he's indebted to the victim the value of his hand. So now, granted the father can't be Michael that. You can't say, you know what, you don't owe any money. What he can do, on the condition that he has the financial ability to do so, is, you know what, I'm going to take control of that chayv. I'm going to make sure the kid's happy. And therefore you, Mr. Attacker, are off the hook. I'm going to take over your debt. And therefore, I have the ability now to take over that debt without needing the assessment. That would be another approach in the base of Bechira, and that would be a source already, maybe in the Mishaynim, that there is such an approach to a person having some kind of monetary value. Again, that's something we're straying from. If this is our only source, I would try to work out a different shot in the Meiri, and we'll have to keep this in the back pocket, you know, for later on. Now, we didn't address two things, which I want to leave off with. I would address these two things and read the Gemara one more time. The two things are, number one, is how come I can't just forget the whole assessment, pay the lowest value of an Evid? Number two, is how come we can't evaluate him later on, when he's older, without the father, getting involved? So my assumption is that if we're discussing a monetary payment, you could, but we're not assessing that. We have to give, according to Rashi, let's say, 
Listen, you hear it very nicely. According to Rashi, what do you have to do here? You have to give the kid's hand back. If I'm just giving you a monetary amount of money and it's irrelevant to who this kid is, it's totally, completely arbitrary, in no way can that be a monetary representative of the kid's hand. To give back the hand, you need to have an assessment of the kid himself. Without an assessment, nothing doing. So you can't just say, take out the lowest value of the Evid. That being said, who would then when it comes to the Rambam? According to the Rambam, Tashlumay Nezik is a knas. The knas, the fine, is based off of the severity of the action that you did. So that depends on who the person was. If he was an, a surgeon and you cut his hand off, that's very, very severe. And if he was, you know, a garden watcher, so it's not so severe, it's not severe. But you can't just take the lowest valuable because it's not speaking to the severity of the action at hand. So for sure you need a shuma. Now, why can't you do a shuma later on? The kid's eight when it happened, do a shuma when he's 13. The answer is because when he's 13, the whole thing is in fantasy land. Right? There's actually not a shuma going on. The whole thing is just made up. The whole thing is purely made up. It's also, uh, I look at him now, and I'll imagine who he was then. Now, it's not the end of the world. It's not, It's still a legitimate question, I think. Some, some of the guys in my other year asked me, it's not a legitimate question. Why do you even ask this question? The reason why I ask this question is because what are we assessing? We're assessing, let's say the kid's eight years old right now and he lost his hand. So now I'm assessing him with the hand or without a hand. But he doesn't have a hand. Right now he doesn't have a hand and I'm assessing him with the value that if he did have a hand. So within every normal assessment, there's a certain degree of fantasy that's occurring. Just when it comes to the fantasy of the eight-year-old, it's assuming he has a limb, not assuming the, his whole persona. But when it comes to, you know, taking the 13-year-old and assessing his value when he was eight, that's creating in fantasy world a whole persona who's not in front of us. That's too far. That we can't do. So that we have to have an assessment because it has to be either returning the hand, a monetary representative, the hand that was taken. Therefore, you have to assess the hand that was taken. Or it has to be something which is indicative of the severity of the action which took place. So that's, that's our Gemara. Now, let's just read through the Gemara one more time with everything that we said so far into it. Because it was Mamash a lot. And I think it's very, very helpful. So, We have a kid who lost his hand according to Pnei Yeshua because the donkey bit it off. Or according to Nachas Yisrael because it stepped on it and it came off. As they come into the Papa Bashmul, the father came in front of our Papa Bashmul, and he said, This person is responsible for the, the damages that were done to my kid. So Amazil, he said to them, Zilu Shumale Papa Bashmul assumed that a person attacked this kid. He also assumed that the kid had no permanent damage, and he also assumed that the kid was old enough to be embarrassed. And therefore it was viable to pay four out of the five Dvarim in the Mishnah. Aye, there's five things in the Mishnah, meaning to say that there was actually permanent damage here. In a I didn't know that. I said four, I wasn't including Nezik because I didn't know there was permanent damage. You should know it was a Chamor. And since you didn't know that fact, that's why you said five things. But now I'm telling you that it was a Chamor, it was a donkey, and therefore he only pays Tashlume Nezik. So Amalei. Said, You're right. In as much as a donkey attacked him, it was a chamor, therefore the chamisha devarim don't apply. Therefore we look at it like it was nizke mamun, and go evaluate all the monetary loss, the loss of his hand, the shavas, the ripui, assess all of it, and that's what he has to pay. The din of the Mishnah is you have to praise him like an Evid. Why? Because a person is priceless. And since that's the principle of a person is being priceless, that applies even when a donkey hurts a person, since the victim here is priceless. So we should only have to pay the Nezek of the Chamisha Devorim and not the Shavas and Ripoy. So Amalu, you're right. It's an unbelievable pshat. And the same way Rabbah accepted it, I, of Papa Bashmul, are accepting it. So Zilu Shaymu Ka'avda. Go and appraise him like an Evid. So Amalu Avuadiyanuka, the father of the kid came along and says, According to the Gemara and Kedushin, they were saying in the Rambam Rif and Rosh, so I don't want to appraise him because it's embarrassing for the kid and I have the right to do that because it's a lechayv almanas deschus. There they responded, You're causing him a loss and he can be meichu when he's older. 
Though don't worry about it when he gets older, I'll appease him, and therefore, even if he's Meicha, it's not a problem. That would be according to the Gemara and Kedushin, the Rambam Rifin Rosh. According to the words of Rua, we would say, I don't want to appraise him because it's embarrassing for me. So, it's going to cause him a loss, and since it's going to cause him a loss, you have to be able to go ahead and pay him back later on. That would be the Orzer was read. And according to Meiri, the read is as follows. I don't want to praise him because it's embarrassing for him. I, you're causing him loss, and you don't have the right to be Meichel his money. He says, since I'm rich though, since I can all overtake the monetary debt that the attacker has to my son, the victim, and I'll take that over and make sure it gets paid for it. So that would be a read of the Gemara. And I think that answered all of the questions we asked, except for this one, of why is it that Rav Papa Shmuel is still answering Shailas before he didn't know all the facts? I don't have an answer for, but to read the Gemara with all our difficulties, Baruch Hashem, that we were able to work out. Tzachar